Hello, and welcome to the Rolls of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek, yeah, for whatever reasons, I, well, we'll get into... No, no argument today. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope not, but who knows. My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hey. And, yep, we're in it now. We are talking about an episode that we've talked about and referred to a lot in the uh, time of doing this podcast. We're doing an episode called In the Pale Moonlight. Yes. Are you guys ready for this? Here is the IMDb description. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm all squirrely. No, this originally aired April 15th, 1998. It is episode 19 of season six. And now here's the description. To save the Federation in a crucial scheme, Cisco comes to realize that he must violate its fundamental principles to do so. Um, that's a pretty weak sauce IMDb description. This episode deserves much better than that, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you gotta, you gotta dance with the one that brought you. That's, <laughs> that's what we've got. <laughs> yeah. This is basically the best episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which puts it in the running for best Star Trek episode of all time. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this came up in the last best episode of Deep Space Nine we did on, uh, far beyond the stars. Oh, I thought you were talking about Little Ship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's hard to pick one, I know. but uh, I mean, if we could pick a scene that would be the greatest scene in all of Star Trek, it would definitely be the wharf talking about killing the kid at the soccer game. Right, right. <laughs> sure. I mean, that would definitely be the best scene in Star Trek, but... <laughs> That's A1, yes. Nope. There's never been any disagreement about that. So, uh, all jokes aside, we think that this we're all in agreement that this is at least the best deep space nine episode well we said the same thing about far beyond the stars so i i was measuring it with that i think it's tied for the number one really oh you don't you think it's tied you don't even think this is clearly the best one. Oh, i don't i mean do you think it's i mean i mean uh, i don't know i think it's a matter of inch i mean i don't know it's a, right I, I agree like i mean we got into this on far beyond the stars when i said mm-hmm. maybe this one is the best you're like what but it depends on what kind of metric you're using, right? Like, oh, I I use always one. I only use one metric. But yeah, uh, well, I I use a lot of metrics. I got metrics. <laughs> I got a Swiss Army knife of metrics. Uh, anyways, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this is quintessential when you talk about Deep Space Nine. What it does different than other treks. What it does that Trek didn't do, but yet it's still depending on who you talk to is quintessential Star Trek and like one of the big you know idea episodes in all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it the contention among some of the nerds out there is that maybe it, it leads to the decay of what the Federation stands for to people, maybe. I'm going to postulate that that fandom is the moderate Republican. I don't know if it really exists. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, the caretakers of the Roddenberry vision, I don't I don't know where they are. I want to go even further to say this. This has always been, a, like, the Federation has always been a military organization. Mm. And that whatever Star Trek didn't show us happened in that, that organization before, that's always been running in the background. Yeah, yeah. So I think that this is just people, what's been shattered is not Roddenberry's uh, vision, but the fans' delusions about what the Federation actually is, I guess. Right. And even this episode, 
it actually isn't one that people bring up to make that t- case because they can't because it's such a good episode. They bring up either Cisco commits genocide in that Eddington episode, which, you know, we were mixed on that one. You know, but they bring up his genocide or they bring up Section 31. Uh, yeah. This one might still do some of those ideas, but it's so good it's hard to really shit on. Well, there's two things that I want to... Okay, so to address this point, my feelings on that after watching this episode. Or more after dealing with like the sort of caustic numbness I felt at the end of the change of heart, as it was called, the Wharf. Yeah, the Wharf Jadzia. Saving Jadzia episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that Roddenberry showed a vision, sort of. I mean, specifically in the first two episodes of Next Next Generation. But it was all talk and no show. Yes. So we didn't see the how, when the rubber hit the road, how did the Federation like negotiate this and how was it systematized it was just Mm -hmm. card was a good guy and everyone around him was a good guy and every now and then a earwig would go into an admiral and the admiral would become a bad guy right so that was the way the federation was showed it never not only did the rubber meet the road because that's what this is about but like do they have a system for that or is it just guilt based i feel morality you know or do like well the dream and arguably the pollyannish is part of the federation is that pure moral principles and our being evolved moral beings is enough mm-hmm. for the good so it's the t- typical boomer shit that advancement happens out of personal growth not out of social growth and systems uh yeah, well, I mean, there the argument is that the social growth was personal across based on because everybody saw we saw we weren't alone in the world and we and our hearts grew three sizes bigger that day. Like each right. individual, in, each individual did. And the power of our mental of our moral certainty and goodness is enough to counteract all the evil in the rest of the universe that we have to contend with. So we we just got better. Uh, like a wayward man will become responsible when he has children or something like that. Yes, and, and that, that's how they talk about us in the series. Mm. Like they always talk well, about... We didn't create a better world. We became better right. people. Is it human? Well, we did, we did and that well, became a, created no, a better world. That's what world. I mean, but that's the difference. That, I mean, I guess I'm saying is there wasn't a, there wasn't a better system in place. Right, well, the, the thing is... It was just everybody was good. That's and the thing. So, it, 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 we're, because you could get into the... The minutia is never unpacked. Yes. It's only glossed over. Even when you talk about systems, like the famous scene in, in First Contact where Picard talks about, you know, right. we live in a post, uh, you know, scarcity economy, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody's fulfilled by their own, blah, 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 blah. We don't have money or need for money. Even where he like sort of literally unpacks it, it's not, the, you don't know how they arrived at that. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. and the other whether or not that works, I mean, you might argue that that works for the Federation, but the rest of the universe that's not the the galaxy that's not the Federation, you know, comes into conflict with and the idea of Star Trek up till that point is like, well, our moral goodness of that is enough to conquer all the people outside of the Federation and the galaxy. It beats it every time. And the world is more complicated than that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what we have here is that because they got a bunch of, you know, talented people with nobody really looking over their shoulders, like they got to start making the show and they started taking chances. And so they started telling stories. But what they went with was 
was the path that most of us would go down, which is to, well, let's start telling stories about systems. Let's start telling stories about hard calls and, you know, like where things are difficult. Uh, choices are difficult, and they started aping from real life. This is sort of based on the Gulf of Tonkin. So they start basing it on real life, and then what that does is it makes the quality of the stories better, and it makes the situations more understandable, but it sort of, like, kills the spirit or brings the spirit down. And I don't know a way... I'm not judging them for doing that because this episode's great, but it is... I, I would like to see an older, wiser writer try and write a maybe like how did Starfleet as a system, as a military organization, and as a, as an organization, you want an actual roadmap to solidify its ideals mm-hmm. and made it impervious to people being greedy or people wanting to win at all costs or you know just the things that are normal how did the system fix that problem or or anticipate those problems these are story these are these are story ideas <laughs> right well well i mean that would be these are ideas that you could throw out in a writer i mean i don't want well, I, I don't want them to just explain it to me i'm saying that these are these are different types of stories you could tell right i mean well i mean i think the argument is that the Federation did that th- well through, you know, the Third World War or whatever, mm-hmm. and realizing that the only way to not destroy ourselves is to come together and build each other up, which I think is a great lesson. And the Federation shows that that's successful for the Federation, but again, this war, Dominion War and everything else is like, well, what happens when you come up against somebody that's not the Federation that's just as strong as you mm-hmm. with different ideals? Mm-hmm. And... Well, I mean, that's the thing is, ever you know, when you send a heroin addict to the retreat center, you know, he's fine until it's time to leave, and then he goes back into the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't question humanity had some Grinchian revelation after the end of the Third World War, but I don't... What's to stop it from backsliding? Right, right. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe it's to sustain itself So without a system in place, and it seems like they're just not a... I guess the system of not, like, having no, like, reducing need, I guess, it's, it's just take for granted. That's a big help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be a big help, yeah, right? I mean, Where it's... people don't need... Yeah. Everybody's sort of... Everybody's needs are met. Mm-hmm. Basic needs are met. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, that's what... The man whose Trekonomics book is all about. And like, it's not at some great personal cost to some... It's not like, you know, any, anytime somebody's needs are met right now, mm-hmm. it's at a great personal cost to somebody else. Right. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere yes. In, in humanity. And like, that's like the history of humanity. There is no ethical consumption. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. So the invention of ethical consumption, I guess, is what prevents us from backsliding. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. But then you still have individuals throwing out racial, racial slurs on the job, like green-blooded Vulcan, you know. Yeah. So you, 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 you still have a weird dichotomy of, you know, but that's a what social I'm saying, structure that, that's yeah. set up that I mean, you still have the individual who could still backslide. And, right. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, it's just like your moral, what people see as uh, your values are that we're better together than we are apart, which it's a cliche kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It, these are all interesting things that I think that is sort of a, uh, well, because we don't have one guiding person guiding the whole, mm-hmm. sh- the whole franchise over the, yeah, its entire life of 50 years, mm-hmm. it's sort of a committee thing. 
and some committees choose to focus on mm-hmm. some things and some choose to have like soft rock theme songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Priorities are different in different places. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that what struck me more than anything, because we wanted to talk, like, the conversation that we just started is the conversation that mostly surrounds this episode. It's all of this stuff about the meaning of the plot, the meaning of the story, and all this stuff. But what what makes it the best episode, I think, is it's just fucking well done. Yes. Uh huh. It's just, like, it, this story could literally be about any dumb shit. And if they're pacing it, and the tension, and all of the things in it... It's just such a well done story. Like my son was following it. Like, you know, so it was just, it was, it wasn't obscure or boring. It clicks along. It's every scene is compelling. Mm -hmm. There's nothing dropped. There's no head scratchers. The dialogue is tight and right. It's just not a lot of wasted scenes. Right. There's no waste. There's no, yeah. 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 Cause yeah, I was, when I was starting to watch it, I was like, Oh yeah, this is the same length as every other episode. <laughs> it just—I forget like how much it crams into it. It's got no a, dumb B plot. They didn't feel the need to horse because this could have easily had a B plot. Oh yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, instead of an A plot and a B plot, it's just got like a, a tight ass framing device, right? That I think which is sets it apart from other Star Trek episodes to where you know mm-hmm. the classic Star Trek is it opens with a captain's log or whatever. But this one opens up with not just a voiceover, it's Cisco looking straight into the camera. Captain's personal log. Stardate 517. He can't even remember what day it is, because he's a little, like, he's got something on his chest. He's like, is this Stardate 5174? No, it's 5172.1.3. And you're like, what's going on here? One, it's weird, he's doing a, a log to the camera, which is, you know, he's looking you in the eye as it were but then he's like oh i he's like well i i just need to talk to somebody about this i had maybe if i can lay it out maybe it'll make sense it's almost like it's the same way that not to bring religion into it but the the best sermons i've heard said before the best sermons are someone are people trying to convince themselves of what they're saying mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing with this whole framing device is it's like okay if i lay it out maybe i can just it'll make sense to me you know, and then that sets up the whole conceit of the episode. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can't talk to anybody else about this, you know, I, but I have to say something. Maybe if it's, I can just talk to myself. And he even says that to an extent at the opening. Mm-hmm. Then it leads into the whole, you know, casualty list that he's putting up every week, every Friday morning. This also had a really interesting script development, possibly the most labored script development that I've read on this show. And really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, it was like, oh, it's it's our best friend, Peter Island Fields. All the best episodes are his. Yeah. It's, but it's, no, it's not a Peter Island Fields. Yeah, this exactly. Is, uh, Ronald D. Moore wrote this episode almost totally. I think a totally. I think 100% totally. They had the idea they commissioned Peter Allen Fields to write a script about a Gulf of Tonkin or Watergate type issue. And so he wrote it about Jake discovering that Shakar had, uh, I don't know, had paid some guys to break into like the Watergate Hotel. I don't know. <laughs> Something about that. It was Shakar. Right. <laughs> and and they, they were like... Kira's ex-boyfriend? Shikar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's like the, whatever, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. King of... Yeah, George Washington of... The, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the king of Bajor, whatever. 
And they they was like, okay, let's not do that. <laughs> well, let's do Jake discovering that his father did something horrible with Garrett. Because Jake is a is a investigator. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. So they got with Watergate, and so everybody got fucking stuck on Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> and so in comes the Jake. And also, I mean, like, I think people, for some reason, writers really wanted, because every one of these failed aborted scripts are always Jake-focused. Oh, yeah. Right. I think that, like, maybe there was just a group of people just trying to get Jake some some work. He's he's the untapped character. Right, yeah. You know, it was like when Chris Claremont got X-Men, and he was like, I'll take the Wolverine. I'm going to work that guy, because you haven't done shit with him. <laughs> right. And so I think that people want... He's, all, he's got main billing on the cast. He's one of the core ensemble, supposedly, but... Yeah, and he's a writer. Right, I right. love that, so... Uh, but yes, I'm making a hand job motion as you say that. <laughs> yes. So then they then they do it, and, and so Ronald E. Moore basically writes. Not even the other guy who got credit. Ronald E. Moore wrote this script where he's discovering that Jake discovers that his father basically did the plot of this, but in in the past, and so it's Jake discovering it all, uh-huh. and then him, and then him walking away from his father. It, it ended with some with some estrangement. Oh yeah, like there there would have been some shit that needed to get solved, you know. And so oh, it's it's him not the, being able to live with his father, yes, like violating these core Starfleet ideals, yeah. Which is super interesting to me, yeah. You know, yeah, but I don't know is. how to I don't know how to judge that. But I mean, it's super interesting to me. But then Ronald E. Moore was like, I, we didn't want. And then he didn't say this. We but didn't I don't want to do something too interesting. We didn't want it all riding on uh, Sarah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think that they didn't. Ooh. Yeah, sorry. That that was. Uh, there's two things that Ooh. I think are unsaid about the change. One of which is that they didn't want the whole script to be riding on Sarah and his father. Like, is Sarah having some hardcore acting? Yeah, like uh, th- I uh, think he could have risen to the occasion. Maybe I, we, we I, never, I, we'll never know. I've no. yeah. <laughs> I would like. I'm, I'm for giving people challenges, but the other thing is I'm pretty sure that Avery Brooks was a caretaker of having a wholesome father black father son relationship on television oh yeah didn't yeah want that right to go there that's so true. the the narrative the captain's log part or the personal log part is the last thing added to the script hmm. I mean and so you it's it's all that anybody remembers about it but it was the last thing yeah and so sometimes when I'm talking about like you know these these episodes like the what was it? not Smiley? Whatever. When he's when they're on the the Orion Syndicate or whatever. Sure, sure. And I'm just like these scripts just aren't good enough. And like it's because probably Ronald D. Moore probably wrote six to eight versions of the script. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like they found their loves and they they pay it pays off. And this is why you should have six episode seasons. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> like, because you give the writers time enough to to unfuck the fuck. Ronald D. Moore took the time to unfuck the fucked uh-huh. on the script. And I and here we go. You know, the proof is in the pudding on that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. No, I mean, I don't disagree at all. <laughs> but you know what? Those writers are making less money for true. six episodes unless they're, you know, Golden Boy showrunners. That, but that's a whole other... Yeah, but we... I mean, I'm not, I'm not for just making a bunch of shit to, like... Sure, sure. I don't know. Make better shows, period. Like, how about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make less episodes of more better shows. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the framing device. And then he goes into the story of oh, all these casualty lists. And Dax lost her friend Leslie Wong of the, the skipper of the Cairo. And and we learn the, the Romulans who have a non-aggression pact with the Dominion. 
the Dominion or is jumping into their backyard, as it were, in the neutral zone just to take people out. But there's no reason for them to not let them because, like, well, it's like, well, what do we care if you jump into our backyard to bloody the nose of the Federation of our enemies? You know, so. And I, I like the reoccurring motif of the list of the dead. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a neat motif. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's almost, it reminds, you know, Vietnam Memorial. Everybody's looking for, for names of people they know, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's a pretty dour. It, it's one of the, you know, they've, they've made stabs in the last, this season of very uneven season, I'll fully admit, of trying to drive home the war. But this starting, mm-hmm. this really feels like, okay, now shit's starting to really, they're not fucking around with just like, oh, remember the war? Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, the war's a thing. And it's a, vis- it's a visual and thing, that like a tangible like scene that can exist that you can go to three times, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you can show it multiple times and it can tell a part of the story instead of having to just rest on dialogue or something. Like, it's, it's, it's clever. It's the kind of thing they should do more of. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Find these ways, these corporeal ways that you can yeah, sort of set the environment for the plot for the plot. And it does a form. good job of like, you know, and then Cisco and Dax are are role playing like, well, you know the Romulans aren't going to give a fuck unless you have proof. And they role play back and forth it's like, you know, like mm-hmm. look, why would we shoot ourselves in the dick? for what you say even even if it is true that sure eventually maybe it makes sense that they're gonna fuck us turn on us mm-hmm. unless we have proof there's no reason us for us to join you in your dumb war there's no there's nothing in it for us and so he comes to the conclusion that like well we're gonna have to f- somehow find proof that the dominion has plans to invade romulus so he decides you know well i don't have any way to do that but, oh, the one thing I do know is I know that possibly if they have plans, they're going to be in the heart of Cardassia Prime under all the security. We can't do that. Oh, but, oh, remember, oh, we have Garrick here, this morally suspect person that is not at all what the Federation stands for, but this guy can get into Cardassia, so I'm going to go to him. Mm-hmm. And he does, and and Garrick's like, well, I can call in some favors, all of my favors that I have left. He, he does, and then all the people that he talked to immediately get killed if they talk to him. And he tells Cisco, like, well, you know, I could do this, but uh, you'd have to be prepared for a bloody business, you know? Like, are you prepared for it? And he's like, well, this is my 14th casualty list. I'm in. I'm committed. And he's like, all right. Uh, you know, and then it goes back to, like, I thought my cause was righteous, and I thought that would be enough back in this, the log part. And then then the, the Dominion invades Beta Zed, and that that really sets his Cisco's. All right, fuck it. All right, his conviction. Or, that's like when the war really gets real too. Because like for your Star Trek nerds, even if they talk about like Beta Z, that's where Deanna Troy's from, and you know that's a big deal that it's been taken over. And <laughs> they couldn't feel them coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the the tenth fleet was out of position, James, <laughs> mm. and it took them less than ten hours to take Beta Z, and then they're and now from Beta Z. It gets even worse because then they're, the Dominion is in position to take Vulcan, Andor, Teller, and Alpha Centauri, which, you know, if you're a canon nerd, you realize, oh, shit, that's all the founding members of the Federation. It, it doesn't need, like, the, the script is just good on all points to re- raise the tension. Like, most people aren't might not know what that means, but if you're a Star Trek nerd, you know, holy shit, that's, 
that that's really raising the stakes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then all Garrick's friends are dead, and Sarah's like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I got one. Well, I got one more option. It's like I can just make this shit up, and then it goes back to the log again. You know, where Cisco like, I should have said no. <laughs> then there's this Vrenak guy that is come, going on a mission to Cardassia, and then Garrett can talk to him. Yeah, each scene is this interesting. I mean, it, it, it really does a really good job of, like, each scene is a Herculean task of compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, this I can do this. I could do this. And then it gets worse. Yeah, yeah it's it's pretty fun. I liked all of those scenes from Rickman to ask the biomimetic gel to doing this to do, you know to all of these different yeah little pieces that he had to do. Well, was one really... of my favorite things about this episode upon rewatch is that watching whenever Cisco has this first conversation with Garrick about what he what he needs. Yeah, and that's when Garrick basically decides to carry out his own course. Oh yeah, yeah. Like from the beginning, Garrick like knew how this was gonna go, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was just theater for Cisco's sake. Right? Yeah, he's like, you know, this is gonna get bad, right? Are you like, I'm? He, you don't sign a deal with the devil. He's gonna tell you exactly what you're giving up. But it's like it's gonna be bloody and it's gonna be bad. And it's like, you sure you down for this? It's like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. And then he sees more people on the list, and it, it goes back to that. And that there, and then he's like, I'm gonna forge this meeting. Between the Cardassians and the Dominion, it, like a hollow sweet transcript of them planning an invasion of Romulus. Then we learn that and a one-time optolithic data rod is the thing that's very important to the plot. It's like the mm-hmm. it's a it's a little blue vial. It looks like a what I assume that Barry Bonds shot up his ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just some sort of blue vial of something that yeah right. But 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 you know fun yeah yeah and then there's just one forger that can pull it off, and then one person that he can buy it from that he's like oh what do you need latinum I was like nope I just need he he wants two hundred liters of biomimetic gel which but you can't do that you know that you can make mm-hmm. you can make genetic organic bombs or other shit out of it yeah and we do have the they, it's a good use of the uh, over explaining like self righteous ass Bashir. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. This is. I I feel like they had a a grip on on Bashir with this. Like all this clicked along. All the Bashir stuff clicked along properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a good use of his. This was a good use of his character. This is an insufferable character that is a, is a know it all, and for once he's playing a part that fits right mm-hmm. really well within the scene. You could see it make illegal replication experiments, which I guess they did that in season one when they built a clone that criminal did. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or biogenic weapons, which we've heard about, which Cisco used on yeah, that Maquis planet, or organic explosives, which were new, I guess. Yeah, and then there, there's the forger, is Graython, Tolar. He's like, oh, I can do whatever. And then he learns that Garrick's the one behind it. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay. But he's still like, he still tried to rape a girl. Yeah, like, yeah, kill, that's true. You know, so he was still like, yeah. And I like that. Dabbed Quark. They had to they had to give Quark his requisite scene somehow. Did you, I, I used to work at a temp service mm-hmm. where I, I put, I was, I don't know if our listening audience has have seen Lodge 49 yet, but there's a re, there's the main character goes to a temp service and there's a guy behind the desk that gives him jobs and stuff. And that, well, that yeah. was me for three years. Uh-huh. And I I hired a lot of people. But what you don't realize is that you're really 
under a lot of if you're doing that kind of work you're under a lot of pressure from these companies to like fill these jobs when they need it or else they'll go to another temp service so mm-hmm. there is a little bit of pressure to use whoever's willing to go on the job and whenever they're willing to go on the job <laughs> oh, yeah. so sometimes i would get a person in front of me that i knew would not like there's no way i should give this this psychotic individual <laughs> a job and there and i have had that call a few times where it's like you know you wanted somebody there by six o'clock tonight and i filled the spot and you're really happy I'm sorry that they tried to stab somebody, you know, on the break or whatever, <laughs> but you wanted, like, I've gotten that call before where, where Cisco, that was like some of the realest shit that I had seen in Star Trek was when he got the call when the person he hired uh, was going to get him in trouble. Right, yeah. right. And that raises the temperature on Cisco where he has to compromise himself a little bit more because then Quark is like, oh, you want me to not press charges? Because Odo is like, I understand doing this but i'm a i'm a security guy i'm gonna have to if he's pressing charges i have to report it and so cisco's like all right he hasn't lost his uh starfleet ideals to become full fascist yet and just threaten quirk he's like all right quirk what do i have to give you and quirk is very excited to get a bribe it's like oh oh what oh (laughs) i knew you had a tiny bit of ferengi waiting to get out of you and that uh, you know that's got a sting too. Cause yeah, yeah. Cisco's racist against Ferengis, <laughs> right? And how I need to get my clothes back for me and Impella, the Dabo girl. Yes. I need. Oh, oh, you're not gonna like this. This large exorbitant amount. Five bars of gold press latinum. Of course, it was five bars. It always is. And then also, I've got this uh, this shipment of import uh, that are lacking the right license in cargo bay whatever mm-hmm. and then Cisco's like fine fine for whatever <laughs> then then we get a the 98th rule of acquisition which is also a uh, you know human phrase mm-hmm. every man has his price and then Cisco back in his logs is like that was my first real doubt but you know but there are people dying out there every <laughs> day <laughs> there was a scene in the original script that I actually liked and I would have liked to have seen is that at some point they wrote a scene where Dax walks in and says uh, that she has a plan, that, but she feels bad about it, but that they should fake evidence to make it look like the oh, yeah. Dominion was going to attack the Romulan, and he like uh, he yells at her. Oh, oh, <laughs> he, he like he, oh that he's like don't you don't you don't need to think things like that. We'll win this, whatever you know. So oh, that would have been an awesome scene. Yeah, because he knows he's compromised, but he doesn't want to compromise anybody else. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, t- yeah. This were a Netflix show, they could do a 50 minute episode and it would have been all right. Oh, a 15 minute episode on? A, fi- a 50. 50 instead of 45. <laughs> oh, a 50. <laughs> yeah, no no short treks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were going to talk about a short trek. No, I will say the Chabon one was, well, maybe maybe there, you'll, there'll be a podcast about that later. Oh. Yeah. So uh, where, where are we at? It's after Cork bribes them. Basically, that's when the Romulans come on board. The Romulans are assholes, right? Yeah. Garrick even says, like, they have a very acerbic attitude. And Cisco's like, right. I deal with your smug ass all the time. I, I know the Romulans know they're going to win. I'll be all right. Renak. Yeah, he's the senator, and he's a hard ass. And uh, basically, he comes on board. Cisco shows him the show, takes him to the movies. <laughs> and he gets, and, you know, 
he wants to take the rod. One of my favorite things about that when he takes him to the movies is the the actor makes the choice. I don't know if the actor makes a choice or if it's in the script or it was a directing choice. I don't, I don't know. But uh, he's watching Cisco as much as he's watching the play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about that particular scene. But yeah, the, yeah. In this, in this, I thought that was a really smart storytelling moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's right. Yeah, basically, he takes it, you know, I'm gonna take this home with me, (laughs) and then then he comes back, and then we get that one. I gotta send it back to the lab. I gotta send it back to the lab. But we get that one great scene, or that like that one like commercial break button. Oh, yeah, the greatest line delivered. It's it's a fake, it's a fake, yeah, it's a fake. They, they're drinking scotch in his quarters at before, and they're talking about the aroma of Cali Fall. And they talk about, like, well, if we if we weren't enemies, there wouldn't be a ban on Romulan liquor and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's given the whole talk about, like, how he can tell through a forgery with the simulated Romulan ale or whatever Cali Fall is. And he, sa- he says when he's drinking the, the blue drinks, like, well, for a moment, I forgot it was the real thing, but only a moment. But, you know, like, just mm-hmm. the thematically kind of plays into the it's a fake yeah it's everything with that actor it's pretty great i really dug that guy steve mccaddy oh yeah oh wait i know who's steve let me see this guy he was in the watchman who was he in the watchman (laughs) uh you watched it more recently than me silk specter (laughs) <laughs> oh uh, no, yeah we he's, saw his uh, titties remember no he's uh fucking hollis he's hollis mason that's uh, right hollis mason yeah yeah oh, okay yeah. and uh yeah yeah he's uh he's hollis mason he's on uh he's a he's a great actor yeah yeah he was great in this yeah he was great on this he was great in or uh, i don't like if you guys watch dwarf and black he's really nah, good in i that. watched one episode of that i watched a season or two he was on i think that it's a shame whenever they introduce such a character like a such a rich Mm-hmm. Somebody with such rich character possibilities, and played by somebody who's so good and capable, and then they kill him off. And they... <laughs> right. so uh, just, yes. just put him in some different makeup later on, you know. Oh, he's a he's the lead in the underground classic that I've never seen called Pontypool that everybody uh, I don't like obsessed over for a while ago. I didn't. I did not. I don't know anything about that. I'll yeah, should check it out. Yeah, it's something. It's a set in Canada. It's a Canadian movie. Oh, is he Canadian? Like all the so many Star Trek actors, I don't know. He would have been a better Eddington. <laughs> he is. He's Nova Scot. He's Nova Scotian. Uh, okay. Yes. But did he go to school with Kelsey Grammer? Uh, was he Kroll? He was previously married to Meg Foster, who was the brain vampire. Oh. Oh shit. You mean Evil Lynn? Evil Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a deep pull, Wade. You can do that <laughs> yeah. off your the, head. We yeah. always we always pick her like I mean, but she was like the main female. Uh, she was the female lead in They Live, which is a oh which yeah. is a great movie. That's, yeah, that holds up. <laughs> so, yes, and that's a good good role. Oh yeah, yeah. and he does. Uh, he is mostly known for not being Lance Hendrickson. And even when you look at his picture, you're like, that's Lance. Hendrickson. <laughs> but it's he's not Lance Hendrickson. Uh, okay. All right, I'm done. I'm done talking about him. Okay, well then. After he hands him the the blue uh, rod, mm-hmm. and then then it goes back to the Cisco's log, and then then all I could do was wait, and that was the worst part, you know. And he gets all, I couldn't concentrate on criminal reports, ha. <laughs> criminal, yeah. You know, his his line reading was kind of funny there. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute, you're not taking exception with any of Avery Brooks's choices in this, are you? No, 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 no. Just the in the script, you could see it reading criminal reports, ha. 
like, oh, see the irony because I'm a criminal now. But the way that you think he massaged it a little bit, yeah, I'm I'm giving kudos to Avery Brooks there because uh, the, okay. the the way the line reading he did is is almost like a, a flip more flippant. I know that his some of his actors' ticks rub you the wrong way more than it does me, so that's why I was trying to suss out if you had any mm-hmm. if you took any exception with this performance. Right, I could see him pulling off that ha like season one emissary where he's just like ha, and it would have been weird, but he. I mean, he he modulated his ha pro- like an, like yes. well enough. He yes, he no did. From, yeah, I I think I actually think this is one of his best episodes. Oh, I, I oh, agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm I not gonna. A... I'm not about to start shitting on his performance in this. I think he's amazing. And I think he got to be the full theatric Shakespearean level actor mm-hmm. that he was that he is. You know, and I think that he got to be the full breadth of that in this episode, mostly because it's. I mean, it is kind of a one man show. And right, right. He did a lot of those, and so. It is, you know, it's him talking to the camera a lot. Right, right. So it's a little bit more, I think, probably a little bit more comfortable for him and allowed him to sort of be a little bit grander because it's already sort of theatrical. Right. The souffle will rise or it won't. There's not a damn yeah. thing you can do about it. Oh, yeah, we do get a, a pretty a pretty good Brock Peterson impersonation out of him, too. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Like, he's clearly trying to impersonate his dad. Right. Right. When he's giving out the, the advice or whatever. So, yeah. The souffle will either rise or it won't. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. So you might as well just sit back and wait and see what happens. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, it's hard to take his advice now because when the price is so high, because he realizes, like, if they figure out that it's a fake which we know they do. Mm-hmm. It's a fake. They could turn on us and just, they could, instead of just joining us against the Dominion, they could actively join the Dominion as an ally instead of just this non-aggression pact, and then we're seriously fucked. And that's exactly what happens. Vreenet comes in with the, you know, the, it's a fake. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the most uh, pro-Dominion senator they had. Right. They picked him for a reason. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, if you could turn him, you can turn the rest. He's the mm-hmm. one that, yeah. he's the one that uh, negotiated the non-aggression pact with the Dominion, even. Yeah, so he's he's already the most, you know, he's the Ted Cruz of the Romulan Senator. <laughs> right, right. And he basically only comes to, makes this super secret diversion to DS9 to gloat, it seems like. It's like, you're on yeah. the but And I think that, I think that, I mean, and he, he also, you know, Cisco sort of leads him to why that is. It's that, you know, they are... By playing with the Dominion, you are very vulnerable to the Dominion. Right. That is a truism, I think, that they need to worry about, you know? And, and I think that I think they did right. worry about it. And there's so. a certain amount of Star Trek ideals that Cisco, like, when the guy realizes it's a, it's, it's a fake, like, mm-hmm. you know, a really cutthroat Section 31 type would be, would be like, well, this guy cannot get home to Romulus, or we're totally fucked. <laughs> but Cisco is like, well, that's you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna compromise with myself that much, I guess. Or maybe the Romulans could have blown up the station, and he didn't have, the, but you know, yeah, who knows? But the guy gets back, flies off, and they get another uh, casualty report, and Dax is like, oh, I got another friend on the wall. Though, okay, here's one minor issue, like. She sees, I have a friend on the wall. Her friend doesn't even die. It would have been more powerful if her friend, uh, Maria... No, that's what she's... That was the point of that scene. Isn't that the point of the scene? 
Oh, oh, you're, that, right, you're that, right, you're right. That Maria yeah. to Talia, well, it's it's not that bad. It's just wounded in action. Mm. She's not dead, and she's the only I'm one. To f- I'm faking it. I'm faking the sadness. <laughs> I don't right. really care today. <laughs> right, right. Good point. Yeah, yeah. And then they get, mm. then they get even better news that that 0800 at, uh, like the the ship that Vrenak was on got blowed up. Yes. And basically, that it all works. Yeah, and, but and everybody's super happy. Except Cisco's not happy at first because he's like, "What?" He knows because mm-hmm. Garrick gave him a line before, like, "Oh, let me sneak on to these." It was a real short scene where he's like, "I'm going to sneak onto the uh, Romulan ship and get any, uh, you know, uh, intel that I can get." And and Cisco's like, "You sure you can do that? You're not going to get caught." I don't know if this is a real good thing. And Garrick's like, "Trust me, there's only four people I can get past them. You want this intel?" And and Cisco's like, "Well, all right, if you can do it, fine." And then after the ship blows up, Cisco knows exactly what the game is. He goes to Garrick's tailor shop and just gives him a big backhanded punch right across the face, knocks him down. And he's like, "You knew," and and you know maybe maybe he's more just as mad at himself. Maybe he's just pissed at Garrick for doing the wrong thing morally or whatever. But he's like, "This whole time you knew exactly what was going on. You you your plan from the beginning was just to kill this guy, wasn't it?" And Garrick is like, "Well, yeah, but I mean, I." Thought maybe the guy's forgery might be good enough, but yeah, I I always had this contingency plan in place. Mm-hmm. He put a bomb on the ship to blow it up to make it look like the Dominion did it, and you know what? It's, it works better than uh than just the forgery by itself because now it looks any proof of a forgery just looks like the thing got blown up and it's 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 all damaged from the explosion, so you can't prove that it's a fake anymore. And now it looks even more truthful and then you know exactly what you're doing and you're happy that is i would say that line and i'm not going to nitpick it because this episode's great and what the fuck's the point like it truly is but that is the weakest link which is oh like they you know the damage will make it believable (laughs) i'm just kind of that was the only one where i was kind of okay i'll go with you on that you know (laughs) because like i'm ready to you know because it 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 was such a it's such a fine thing i was just like eh don't think about that one too long. That made perfect sense to me. It did too. Like what, the fact that it was yeah, like it what, ends ab- like it ends abruptly. Well, it's a damaged rod. No, I no, that, that no, the that the, the no. I like the ending abruptly. I that it was just like but just the fact that it covers up the forgery. Oh, that it'll be believe it, it. They'll just believe that whatever imperfection. Yeah. Hmm. House, uh, the night owl saw, then it would that will that would be covered up by the debris. I'm kind of like, okay, that's fine. Well, it's not the degree, but like, it's like if you get a burnt piece of film, it's hard to see if there's, yeah, I don't know. It, made, it was fine to me. But, so that's what I thought too. Yeah. It's not. I, I, but, but they're going to have to, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be good enough to play, but cause bad enough to like be damaged. Because there's going to be corrupted data on it. So it's going to be all scratchy and everything when they play it. So it's easier. It's harder to, it's harder to tell if it's a forgery, if it's all damaged and corrupted to an extent. That makes sense to me. But then, but if you put it in a position where it can be damaged, didn't you put it in a position where it could be damaged to the point where they couldn't watch it? Right. Well, whether, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how those things are made. That's Sagaric, Sagaric. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those it's photolytic sort of like, crystals are probably made. To, I don't know. That's an, in my own defense. There are three paragraphs here in this memory alpha to discussing whys and hows and it is the subject of a peter david short story oh oh, right i'm sorry (laughs) cyanide capsule i'm dead (laughs) right come on 
Why'd you do that? I'm just saying. I'm just saying it. it you just it, killed Hugh. You, who told you what would happen? It made me. It made me uh, look up for a minute and go, "Oh, uh, okay." But, that's and that's then, a, like, that's apparently. some quintessential nerd corner shit, though. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, all right. I'm not. I just want to call I, it out. And that's why James thinks the episode's ruined. <laughs> no, like, no, no I, it's fine. It's great. I was just like, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I want to say something bad about this episode. Don't <laughs> have me roll my eyes a little bit. I okay. I, yeah. It made perfect sense to me. But yeah. Okay. Fine. But the fact that it's exactly what the Dominion would have done if he if he managed to abscond from his meeting on Cardassia Prime with that kind of data, then they, of course, the Cardassians would kill him because that's the same thing the Romulans would do. And the more more they protest, the guiltier they look. That all mm-hmm. that all made sense, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, all all of that was, all of that was great. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe if it was, it could have just been. I'm, just, I don't know. I'm trying to workshop that that <laughs> little line to make it le- less irritating to me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. it's a perfect line. There's nothing wrong with the sips. <laughs> you think it's a perfect line? It's. I mean, I'm, I think it's a ser- perfectly serviceable line. Yeah, like I think I it did. Too. It did I, I think too. it did I exactly did. what it said, and it and it stuck out as weird. I understood what Garrick meant. I don't know. I, I just if Garrick would have said they're just not they're not like their blood is up and they want care, that might have been. A calculation. I feel like that takes. Like I know Ryan Malin's like their blood is up. They won't care. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's 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 weird because it's dealing in all of these tangibles of forgeries. I just can't imagine like like say there was a forgery painting, and somebody can tell that it was forgery for some reason, but then it gets in a car crash, and now they can't tell if it's a forgery or not. It's weird to me. Like it, I maybe think about it longer than I should. Well, but I mean, it would. It might me. be. It might. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. This isn't yeah, worth arguing. I'm really not. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, like. the psychology <laughs> of it is what makes the most sense. Like the fact that you can't tell as much that there's additional damage to it makes sense. That yeah. Mm-hmm. But also the the psychology of yes, it's exactly what they would do if it were real is what really sells it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and that that works better than if it they didn't kill Vrenak. No, I'm I'm I have a very limited like it's just that line. Sure, sure. It's not the scene. The scene's great. The whole plot of the episode, it's great. It's it's perfect. Uh, yeah, so uh, I said it's a perfect line. No, <laughs> anyways, the the last scene with with when Garrick is like you were trying to strengthen your point by going outside of the minor quibble to the stuff that's right. The stuff that well, I just think so your like, your minor quibble doesn't hold up in my estimation. If we want to fight about it, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Peter David are going to come to your house. All right. Yeah. That's a formidable duo. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll, pu- I, I, would... I'll, push him, I'll push him in his wheelchair and we'll come over to your house. Yeah. I'm sure there's no uh, Nerd Corner quibbles I could make with his X-Men Star Trek books. <laughs> yeah, he's great on that. <laughs> right, that yeah. But the, the Garrick's basically... If you guys wanted to read those, I would totally read those. Uh, okay. <laughs> But they're not canon. But I'm not going to do it by myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, you read it and, and and I'll see. No. You tell me. Fuck no. <laughs> it'll be one of those books that I said, hey, let's read. And then you're like, nope, never mind. Mm. But Garrick's like, you knew I was a scorpion when you, yeah. <laughs> when I took you across the river speech or whatever, uh, which is pretty good too. Yeah. It's a little bit different than that. Yeah, because it is. That, yeah, because it's like you came to me because you knew I would do this. Yeah. You know. Because you knew. I could do those things that you weren't capable of doing. Yeah, you know what you want in the, and I, I did like 
to put it in, in the term of the concept of self-regard i liked that line that was a good line that was oh yeah he nailed that word that was a good word because he could have used other things he could have said it otherwise but he said the self-regard of one starfleet officer. no he says the self-respect i believe or whatever yeah yeah uh, yeah. Perfect word, like I said. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> right. If we're saying it's the perfect word, I'm going to actually. The, yeah. the idea that it's reflected back on itself, the only thing that you have to fucking deal with is the fact that you thought you were better than this. Right. Right. You know, and that you're not. Yeah. And I like that that's, that's generally the line. <laughs> that's generally what, like, growing up is having to, you know, when you, when you have these things in life, it's like you thought you were better than this and you're not, you know? And I think that that's always the hardest lessons for people to learn. It's not, right. you know, like what you're saying about it was trying to convince yourself. I mean, the hardest thing to try and do is is to come to the conclusion that you are that type of person, whatever situation it is. You know, I guess I'm this kind of person now. And sure you are, you know. Did you ever think, you know, did you ever think you were better? You know, and that was the thing is that he thought he was too good for that. And and you can get it, everybody. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the thing, like, okay, you have all the lies in the Alpha Quadrant, you saved. And all it cost was the life of one Romulan senator, one criminal, and the self-respect of one Starfleet officer. Which is a bargain. But then, mm. and then this whole framing device is Cisco convincing himself that Garrett's right, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Because then at 0800, there's a formal declaration of war, the Romulans strike 15 bases along the Cardassian border, and there's a welcome to the fight party that he's got to get to. But the, in a way, Cisco is martyring himself and his own Federation ideals so that the Federation can live. Yeah. Is it really a mar- Are you really a martyr if nobody else knows about it? Well, that's, wh- that's why, well, kind the fact that nobody else I mean, knows it, about it is why. I mean, that's the definition of martyrdom is that something dies and then becomes bigger in in mm. in its death, right? Well, I, my just that he's sacrificing himself, but if keeping that data to himself and erasing the log like he does at the end is what preserve what is able to preserve the illusion of the Federation well, for everybody there else. There is this thing called a court martial, <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah, I agree yeah, with you. I yeah, agree yeah. With you. Also, saying. yeah, I mean, there's a certain <laughs> amount of self preservation, I guess you could argue too, but. That's not, you know, he would, he, he would die for, you know, if he needed to. It's a, yeah, it's a really, I, I, I mean, the, it's what I like in things where you have this, re, you know, it's a basic, it's a classic uh, make a James happy plot <laughs> where you have a lot of, a lot of irons of the fire, but you show why everything needs to be done. Like you're constantly showing, like I, I was thinking, you know, you were talking about like how much they talk about the tight, like the badness of the war and how much they, they really do make a case, like a really convincing strong case that the duplicity of getting the Romulans into the war would actually legitimately change the face of the war. Mm-hmm. And they talk you point by point. It's not like with change of the heart. And I know I'm picking on that because it wasn't like the worst episode ever, but I'm picking on it because like they, you put him in a position where he's going to have to let his wife die or, you know, complete the mission, disregard a, disregard a, a character uh, choice was made, like a hard choice for the character yeah. was made. But they never explained what the, I mean, they explained it a little bit, but they never really drove home what the, spy that they were trying to get out what he would do so the the moral was just to follow orders or to save my wife it wasn't like 
like the weight of whatever the spy could do for them right wasn't save, very clear save a billion people or whatever right they yeah, they, so it they didn't have the stakes they stated what the stakes were but they didn't walk you through it to where you understood yeah. it yeah you know it's like they said oh it'll save a million people but they just kind of wave that yeah and a lot of these things this episode gets it and a lot of them don't where it's not about saying it right right it's about making the audience feel it and I think that it's very clear. That's why I like the the, the posted names, it's because you get to feel that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to, like they go to it three times, so the magic of threes and each and each uh, sort of you know whatever act, right, right. And so they get to say it in each one, and it, it makes you feel it. It makes you feel it. But it, all, everything is sort of tied together to coming together into this scene where a character has to like do a self inventory and. I, you know, his self inventory is like, yeah, this, this was right, you know. Right. Well, I was like, yeah, I would do it again, you know. I've lied. I cheated. I've mm-hmm. bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. I'm an accessory to murder. But the most damning thing of all is that you know what? I think I can live with it. I think I can live with it. And mm-hmm. and that's that's this whole thing. The whole log is him convincing himself. It's like, I would. He says, I will live to learn with it, because I can live with it. And then he has mm-hmm. to repeat that to himself yeah. because I can't live with it. And then, you know, and watch the episode. Avery Brooks is doing some pretty great acting there. <laughs> and in classic DS9 writer's room situation, that's a line from the man who shot Liberty Valance. Of course it is. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm not, I'm not complaining. But We're all, it's, yeah. uh all the good lines are taken. Sure, All sure. All the good yeah. lines are taken. <laughs> yeah. No. And then the last line of the episode is <laughs> computer erase that per- this log or whatever. Because mm-hmm. that was the first thing at some point my wife is like, is she putting this all in his captain's log? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, it's in his personal log. And she was like, Jeff Bezos, don't listen to those. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and Alexa, uh, can you erase that? <laughs> yeah, sure, I can erase that. No, no, seriously, Alexa. God. Oh, shit, my Alexa just started talking. Shut up. <laughs> Guess I'm not being quiet enough. There you go. Well, they're listening to all of your opinions. Jeff Bezos is right. going to market you all kinds of stuff. If I lose this recording, I'll ask Bezos to give it back to me so I can uh, edit the pod. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's the episode. <laughs> so uh, there you go, man. I I mean, this is. I mean, I think that the list. I think that the solid like top four episodes. We've seen them all now. Yeah, I think we have. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say it's all downhill from here, but I mean, yeah. This yeah, these are the ones we've been talking up since the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, n- none of them. Next season, yeah. we have a full 10-episode arc, which is something that I don't know had been done. I mean, I guess maybe it had been done on soap operas and stuff. So, I mean, just from a yeah. show TV history perspective next season, that'll be a inter- really interesting uh, thing to explore, how they deal with that. So, you know, we've mentioned that a few times. Yeah. But, yeah, the two episodes we've been talking about, they're like, oh, can't wait till we get to those. Those are big we're done with them now. We are. I mean, I guess there's a couple more big events, but this is basically, yeah. Yeah. 
I guess we're all gonna put this on our rewatch meter as a ten, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch this no matter what. Sure. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Stuff. So we're, I mean, yeah. It's all, I mean, I mean, yeah. If I could give it extra credit, I'd give it an eleven because it's it's gonna be like the first <laughs> one I go back to probably, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that this is this far beyond the stars. The visitor and I mean duet. It seems to be like that's the the rock. Mm-hmm. That's the all killer no filler top four. Right. You know. Yeah. So it's the best of EP. Right. Of- we still got some Razzies to get to though. We got uh, oh, yeah. profit and lace. <laughs> yeah. I mean. And then we've got yeah. one of the best um, shenanigans episodes ever next season. Oh, the best. oh boy. <laughs> What do you guys think the people of IMDb rated this total? It's, uh, I want to say years ago we actually looked. We, yeah, we? he says 9.6. I mean, even if we did check years ago, it could change. Cause that's true. These things are voted on all the time. That's true. I think that's right, but I want to go 9.5. I gotta hate doing that to you, but 9.5. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. This has got 1,917 votes. And this is by far the highest one that we've seen vote-wise. Yeah. It's 9.3. <laughs> All right. Oh. Yeah, there's always going to be some people voting down things. Well, that's pretty damn high. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I mean, it's the highest we've had, but yeah. I'm not, yeah. Not the downplay. Yeah, I mean, it might be the I highest mean, yeah. one. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's the highest. I can't think. I think it's the highest, isn't it? Yeah. I, I assume it doesn't get bigger than this. I, don't, I, don't I think can't think so. of a higher one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I don't think there's. I mean, so it's it's the... It's as good as it gets. Right. <laughs> For, I mean, even according to their... There are probably some... I mean, yeah. there are probably people that just dock it by degrees. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know, you know. I don't trust their metrics. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I, one yeah. line in particular made them question made them, the, 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 the veracity of the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of, them, of the Romulans not checking. <laughs> yeah. The, it's just the, James and Peter David pulling it down. I'm just saying, if that fucker's got like uh, some rod checking equipment back on his ship, and then why isn't it? No, I don't know. Because the rod care. might be cracked, but yeah. <laughs> then doesn't the blue gel leak out? Uh, no. And then it would damage the ability. I'm just saying that there would have to be some sort of preservation of the isolinear rod to. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, whatever preservation would give it some form of preservation. Uh, because if, it, if they didn't preserve it, then it would. Then it would break and it wouldn't be useful in the right. Whole plan but you you part. play it back and it's all scratchy. The tracking's all fucked up on it. It's like playing an old you have, VHS. You have, yeah, I you were thinking more along the lines of a VHS than I was, but that works. It works. Yeah, it's fine. I risk not bringing it up. I just didn't want to have a whole episode where he said nothing. Sure, negative fair, about fair the enough. Yeah, I only came up with VHS just now, but yeah, that that's an analogy <laughs> that works. I mean. No, no, no episode should go by without any critique, should it? Fair. Well, you yeah. guys want to... I don't know what else to say. I don't have anything to fix. Yeah. Why don't you play us off? What? All right. Um, if you're the person that really, like, hates this episode, I insist that you give us a call and tell us why. Uh, you can do that at 917-408-3898. Uh, yeah, if you hate this episode... I'm sorry you have to call because you listen to it. Those are, that's the rules. I don't make them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, so do that. And if you want to support everything that we do, uh, give us money on Patreon. <laughs> Go to Patreon. Always be, always be giving us money. Always, a, yes. 
always. Uh, and I will love you always, uh, maybe. <laughs> no, that got creepy. <laughs> Anyways, at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Check that out. We got a lot of extra audio content out there. We've got bonus stuff for the Hashies and Superiority Book Club. We're going through Watchmen. And we've got a whole other podcast you don't have to pay for. If you want to read Alan Moore's Jerusalem along with us, go to your device and app of choice to find the Hashish and Superiority Book Club. And do all the things that every podcast wants you to do, but don't do them for them. Do them for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. All right. Well, what are we, got? What are we doing next week? It look, uh, we go to a... Uh... We, we we go see old Blue Eyes because, um, you know, that's the kind of guy that we need oh, to yeah. make us feel better. All right. So we get bookended by Kira's mom got fucked by Ducat. And then we get mm-hmm. uh, Vic Fontaine. Is it? Vic Fontaine. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, called his. so we got plenty left to talk about on this podcast before, for another season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's like Jerusalem. We're 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 eighty percent through, and they're still uh, they're still uh, putting on new characters that we're gonna have to follow around for a while. All right, there's at least three. There's at least three of these fuckers, isn't it? Oh, Vic episodes. Oh yeah. God damn. One of them I at least remember fondly. We'll see. Oh how... boy. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely unpack all that when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I get ahead of myself. All right. Well. That's it for another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to be now. Take me out.